Today is September 4th, 2018. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Kanai, and Bigani of the Confederacy. These lands are now on Treaty 7, signed in 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, the Wesley Chiniki and Bear Spaw Nations, and the Sutina. I acknowledge all Indigenous that are First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status, or non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of this land. Any mistakes or misinterpretations are on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I can share what I think I know as I walk down the red road. My name is Michelle Robinson. My spirit name is Red Thunder Woman. I was born in Calgary as Michelle Elliott, another very English name that has afforded me a privilege in a colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, and my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Nice Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am the daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act imposed status card. Why acknowledging my lineage and where I was born matters is because even though I'm native, and even though I was born here, my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My indigenous nation still roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm native to Turtle Island, and my nation is a visitor to the area of Clincho Tine Indehe, or Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede in Dene. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I want to thank Amanda, Amy, Ashley, Diana, Dustin, Joni, Judy, Julie, Kenna, Matt, Nathan, and Sharon for signing up. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, nativeyyc at gmail.com. And you can check us out now. We are up on nativecalgarian.com. Uh, violence against Indigenous people is just a daily reality. Um, every generation has faced it, and that's why I had to start this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions. Many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinions, but sure want to tell us theirs by people who may not know anything about Indigenous, and colonialism, racism, uh, constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, our rights, people who are gatekeepers that survive off the status quo, or people who are really still in their trauma and deplete a lot of their resources. Internal and external racism is a daily reality for myself. Um, I'm sad I need a podcast in order to have those boundaries, but here we are. My hope is that one day my family, my daughter, will be proud in the future when trying to discuss these present-day issues in a way that they'll understand down the road. I talk a lot about cultural safety and it matters a lot to me because I think that people are completely unaware of the amount of uh, privilege that they may hold on this. Um, by not doing a land acknowledgement, I know already that it's not necessarily a culturally safe place. I've been to meetings where there's no facilitation, and I've been to uh, meetings that don't acknowledge any diversity whatsoever. We have to remember that um, Alberta especially was created, you know, in a very... Um, English style way that purposely excluded French, that purposely excluded women, purposely excluded um, non-white people, and purposely um, didn't allow the sale of, of land. It was forced Christianity. 
So this is a very small demographic and, and narrow point of view. That's some, that is the actual structural, um, the structural foundation of Alberta, of Calgary, of Canada. This is the, when I talk about structural racism, this is what I'm talking about. And I think that there really needs to be an understanding of what that, you know, external racism is. And it's literally the structure and foundation of these lands. I talk about internalized race, racism as well. And that would be um, something that you may not be aware of. And that's when, say, a uh, non-Indigenous person watches Indigenous people fight with Indigenous people. And, um, you know, that's internalized racism. If you see that online, that's what that is. And I, as Indigenous people, we experience it frequently, uh, whether we're a nonprofit, whether we're in government, um, all the levels of institutions have that structural racism, that internal racism, that external racism. So when I talk about cultural safety, I mean, I'm even talking about just the basics of males um, dominating conversations and not allowing females into the mix, not allowing Indigenous into the mix, not allowing anyone but their own opinions into that mix. And so I, I want to create boundaries of what a safer space for Indigenous to speak looks like. And, you know, having those good intentions, that's not enough. You have to take action to make that change. You have to speak out against racism. You have to ask questions with those who have more understanding. So when I, when I talk about speaking out against racism, if you're talking to a person that doesn't acknowledge racism, that's not the right person to speak to. Uh, there are many people that, because they're too afraid to talk about racism, won't. They'll deny it even. And again, that's part of that internalized racism component. So when you speak out against racism, there's not that many people brave enough to do it. And the reason for that is because the institution has always prevailed and not allowed room for that voice and for that conversation to happen. So when it, I say ask questions for those who are more understanding, these are people who acknowledge racism exists because there's not a lot of people who will do that. Uh, find allies of people who exist that in that those circles and create a support system for those that you can advocate in a culturally safe way. Uh, take responsibility for your own learning. Read, reflect, ask questions. Uh, but don't expect all of this learning to come from Indigenous people. You know, we live in a time where you have pocket devices that you can Google. It's so quick. It's so easy. The answers are out there. And again, you don't go to, um, you know, resources that deny racism is even a thing. That's not going to help you. Um, take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your own assumptions and, and biases. So, you know, take some time the things that you have learned about Indigenous people, take a step back and take steps to actively disrupt the stereotypes that you may have in your mind. Commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is ongoing and a difficult task. And this is incredibly important for the subjects that we're going to be having today. Um, I want to thank heretohelp.bc.ca for that guideline of cultural safety and why people should care about it. Um, so I talked a little bit about internalized racism and that really is just supporting the dominant group. 
So for example, like you can be a woman and be in support of the dominant group. That's internalized sexism. Internalized racism is when you're really okay with the status quo of it being a white Christian colonial system that you're working within. If you accept those standards and are okay with erasing the history of indigenous people, our language, our culture, you know, that's what internalized racism is when you're okay with that. And, um, you know, I can say even within my own mind, when I talk about decolonizing, it's an ongoing thing. Um, this weekend was pride. And I can honestly say that even in my own mind, I have to decolonize a lot of my thinking around what healthy sexuality is. So there's four dimensions of systemic racism. There's the inner, interpersonal, institutional, and cultural. I deal a lot with institutional because it's the base foundation of the racism we face. Um, what is internalized racism? PDF by Donna Biven of racialequitytools.org. Uh, that was a really good resource. Another thing I like to do is empower people to remember that you have the power to do a lot more when you see racism. And you can actually just Google, you know, do's and don'ts for bystander interventions. So if you're witnessing public instances of racism, anti-black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans, anti-a um, million things. Those are oppressive interpersonal violence and harassment and tips that can help with learning how to make everything safe for everybody. So when you see that happening, how do you help a person in a safe way for yourself and them? And um, I'm going to say a shout out to the American Friends Service Committee for these do's and don'ts. So do make your presence known as a witness. You know, if possible, make eye contact with the person being harassed and ask them if they want support. Move yourself closer to the person being harassed. If possible, if you feel that you're not at risk to do so, like go and be that barrier between the person being harassed and the person harassing. If it's safe to do so, the person being harassed can sense, film, or record the incident. Take cues from the person being harassed. Um, is the person engaging with the harasser? Can you, you can make su suggestions like, would you like me to walk over here? Um, can we move to another train car? Um, can you leave this person alone? And follow their lead. Notice if the person being harassed is resisting in their own way and honor that. Um, don't police tone the person being harassed. So if you see um, an Indigenous person, say myself, and I'm getting harassed, and you see that I'm standing up for myself, follow my lead. But don't, you know, intervene. Just say, you know, I really think you should uh, say that in a kinder way. That's tone policing. Tone policing is um, really not helping the person being attacked. Follow up with the individual after the harassment is over and see if they need anything else. Chances are people will feel embarrassed, but, you know, it's a good opportunity to give a card with your name and say, if you want to reach out and talk about it, you're welcome to. Maybe after some reflection, uh, they'll be able to contact Calgary Transit or, or wherever you happen to be and say, hey, can you pull the tapes, whatever. And you can be that person that can be their uh, bystander help, their witness. But most important is to do what keeps you both safe. You know, um, if you need to pull other people in, see if that's okay, if there's a team that can do it. Um, but just try to move to a safer space. I know in martial arts, that's the first thing that we talk about. It's just get away from the situation if you can. Don't 
don't call the police. Uh, for many communities experiencing harassment right now, calling the police can actually cause a greater danger for the person being harassed. Now, maybe afterwards is is fine when they're ready and safe to do so, but don't just call the police just to call the police if you're not getting that um, consent from the person because people who are um, Arab, Muslim, Black, queer, trans, immigrant, Indigenous, these are people who actually experience um, 10 times worse uh, situation when the police are, are brought into um, an already crisis moment. Uh, so don't escalate the situation. The goal is to get the person being harassed to safety and not in, incite any further violence from the attacker. It is important to not do, like, don't do nothing because silence is dangerous. It communicates approval and it leaves the victim high and dry. So if you yourself are too nervous to speak out or to move closer to the person being harassed, you know, you can always c communicate with your body. So I wanted to bring those things in because, again, I'm all about solutions. I talk about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action. There are the frameworks from the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People. The Royal Commission on Aboriginal People had over 400 recommendations. All of these things which have not been implemented. So to say that the solutions aren't there is an av gross misrepresentation the solutions are there, the frameworks are there, the studies are there. We just need people with willpower to start implementing these things. So with that, um, I want to start out, we talked last time a little bit about Daryl Kevin Smith, and um, my heart is still with you, Betty, the mother of Daryl, and a shout out to Tamara Pimentel from APTN for covering that whole situation. Um, I'm hoping that people will you know, follow that. There's a website for the justice for Daryl Kevin Smith in the hopes that there will be answers eventually given. <laughs> you know, I posted this because one, I thought it was hysterical, but two, you know, obviously it's, it's figurative as well as literal. Um, reconciliation bridge under construction, expect delays. Reconciliation is a process. Um, here in Calgary, Langevin Bridge was just renamed to Reconciliation Bridge, and it literally is under construction. It's a one-way bridge anyway, but, uh, you know, they're just trying to do regular maintenance on it. So I just find that sign hysterically funny because, you know, <laughs> we're, we're literally living these times where people want to do reconciliation, but they don't know what that means. And I experience that in my book clubs every day. And I experience it online every single day where people want to do better with these relationships, but we're not there yet. And when I say expect delays, it's because of some of the things that have happened this weekend. Um, first, I want to give a shout out to uh, Robert Jago. Of, uh, he posted a really great article in the Globe and Mail, and it's titled, It's Time to Take Consultation with First Nations Seriously. And I'll just give you a small quote. Consultation is the politics of concrete solutions, solutions that endure that our peoples are never again asked to sacrifice their livelihoods and health so that non-natives can reap a benefit. And I think that's incredibly critical of what does consultation really look like? Because I think um, we just recently had a, a Supreme Court ruling, appeal ruling on what this consultation is. And it actually, shockingly, I mean, a broken clock can be right twice a, a day it actually ruled in favor of first nations so 
that was really great, a really great win for the um, nations that put up the money to take this to court. I know a lot of, uh, you know, people, whether as in individuals or as nations, really have to determine, do we have the financial means to be able to really fight for our rights? And that's a sad reality of Cal- of Canada, where there's not that opportunity to always really advocate for your rights, knowing the uh, financial consequences of doing that. Um, so I want to give a shout out to the nations that have fought that because it is important that consultation means something. And um, it, it's interesting time because Calgary, we had uh, a pride. Pride parade is supposed to be about LGBTQ2 plus rights. It's supposed to be that framework of celebrating, um, you know, all of the accomplishments that that community has really worked hard to achieve and move forward with. And yet we show up at Pride and, well, I guess first I'll just talk about Pride from my point of view. Um, I first identify as uh, an ally. I have family that's transgender. I have an auntie that's lesbian. And I have um, my daughter is exploring what pansexuality means. We have lots of, um, you know, outside the the binary that we've been taught through colonialism that you're supposed to have a wife and you're supposed to have a husband you're supposed to get married and that's the way it's supposed to be and the way the laws are structured are now based upon that so again that is that structural racism structural um sexism and and taught these things that were imposed on these lands very recently um anyway so we have this um this parade every year and this year I, I've been marching with voices I'm one of the co-founders along with uh, Evans and Jack well there's there's a ton of us and um and we work as a collective right like it there's no executive director there's there's nothing like that when we have to do the paperwork we'll do that but only because that's a colonial construct but the way we set up the way we vote in that that is all completely different away from the colonial construct because it's important to us that we stay grassroots and that the leadership is, we have a really wonderful spokesperson, Evans, yellow old woman. And, um, and we have some really great members that have spoke out in media to represent our voice repeatedly. And that's what we want to keep doing. And, uh, so anyway, many of the prides before I've, I've marched with the liberals as well. Um, we just didn't have much of a turnout and, this year they they moved us to Sixth Avenue, and that's that's a huge avenue. They shut it down. Well, we started marching, and even though we were expecting sixteen thousand people, we actually got eighty thousand people. And for myself, I got pretty choked up and tried not to cry the whole time because the turnout was incredible. The length of the parade went on and went on because it was so long. These were wonderful problems. I'm so grateful for them because it wasn't that long ago in the 90s where there was only a small pocket of gay men that were white that were willing to do some kind of march, some kind of... They they had to put brown paper bags over their faces because they just weren't safe to do that. And that's just here in Calgary. Um, So we did the march and Pride, Calgary Pride has been wonderful to voices in the sense that they've really you know, listened to us, championed for us, and, and tried to talk about racism within the LGBTQ2 plus community, within community members. And um, 
explain the issues that um, a lot of people of color, Indigenous folk, have with policing and the long history that has caused this deep mis- mistrust. And as I said in the last show, you know, I, I, I just would say that the relationship is hostile for, for a lot of um, reasons that are from the LGBTQ2 plus community all the way to residential schools, all the way to when Canada was founded and to present today. That's why I started off talking about Betty, the mother of Daryl Kevin Smith, because these are continuous ongoing issues that we're facing. So Pride asked um, voices and specifically Evans, yellow old woman, to start with a land acknowledgement. And he did a wonderful land acknowledgement that uh, talked about colonial issues and how we have to fight for our rights. And um, immediately after, Premier Rachel Notley took the stage and um, really undid all of the wonderful speech that Evans did. So over the day, we've been working really hard at, you know, putting together uh, a letter, an open letter to Premier Rachel Notley. And uh, Evans did the, you know, the putting it all together and because it was his experience at the end of the day. And um, he wrote this, uh, my name is Evans Yellow Old Woman. I am a member of Siksika Nation and a co-founder and board member of Voices, Calgary's coalition of two-spirit and racialized LGBTQIA+. I gave the land acknowledgement before your speech at Calgary Pride in the Park 2018 opening ceremony. Immediately after I gave the speech about building mindfulness of the impacts of colonialism on Indigenous people in Canada, the importance of building community and caretaking of the land, you stood up and declared, we will build this pipeline. Pride is not the space to talk about the politics of a pipeline. You piggybacked off my speech and prefaced yours with the importance of recognizing the land, immediately followed by your assurance that the Trans Mountain Pipeline will be built. This is a prime example of the violence as Indigenous people are repeatedly subjected to on our own territories. Structural violence that we experience and oftentimes let slide because we have been conditioned to do so to appease those in power. I am here to say no more. Your justice system, the Federal Court of Appeal, declared that your government and that the people you do business with, Kinder Morgan, inadequately consulted the Indigenous people which, in which this pipeline would impact by declaring you will overturn this ruling not only shows that you and your government have no idea what reconciliation is, but it reinforces the notion that the values of our lives as Indigenous people are inconsequential to that of the land, deeming areas and its inhabitants impacted by the construction of the pipeline as sacrifice zones. Ms. Notley, we do not own the land. We belong to it. Your comments are a direct threat to Indigenous people across Turtle Island. I would like to remind you and your government that economic exploitation of Indigenous communities continues today, which is a human rights violation recognized by the UN. The missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and Two-Spirit are directly impacted because of this continued exploitation. I implore you to uphold the promises you made to Indigenous people in your platform during elections. You stress that reconciliation with the Indigenous people in Alberta was a top priority, but your actions as of late contradict that. 
most recently by pulling Alberta out of the federal climate plan as a result of this court ruling, you solidified your position on reconciliation. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission call to action number 57 is Indigenous Education for All Public Servants. Thank you for illustrating in your pride speech that there needs to be more work around this. The United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People have frameworks readily available for your government to use. These guides can help you and all levels of government ensure you know what you're reconciling. Apologies are not work. They precede work. Don't be sorry. Do better. In the spirit of reconciliation, Evan's yellow old woman of voices. Now, that obviously this is my friend. I'm a board member of Voices. You know, I helped with some of the wording, especially about number 57. These things matter to me as much as they do every other Indigenous person who is deeply affected by this. But I want to emphasize as a straight woman to hear pipeline discussion at a pride event is so grossly wrong, let alone the concept of, you know, respecting rule of law, respecting indigenous rights, all of these things obviously did not matter. Honestly, if Jason Kenney would have said these things, I don't think anybody would have been surprised at all because he comes from the government where they literally said missing and murdered indigenous women, girls and two spirit aren't even on their radar. So I get that. But for somebody who claimed to care about reconciliation, you know, this is contradictory, completely contradictory, actually. Um, it just shows if you're not even serious about the federal climate plan. And a lot of people have actually said that it's not strong enough, but you're willing to pull out of that. You know, again, these are legal frameworks that we were all supposed to agree to. So we're, you know, needless to say, very disappointed, very disappointed in in uh, that this had to be said, that Rachel Notley did this at Pride. Um, we don't speak on behalf of, of Calgary Pride. We speak on behalf of Voices when we say that. And I'm really proud of Evans that he put this together and was willing to uh, say, you know, my experience. You know, he was the one who did the land acknowledgement. And I just want to emphasize how divisive pipelines are in Calgary right now. Um, I know I'm associated federally and I have a lot of provincial contacts, but at the end of the day, there's just still the, not that understanding of how big this issue of pipelines here, is here in Calgary and how hard it is as Indigenous people to be speaking out against the governments, whether federally, provincially, municipally, because Nenshi was right there. He's been online on Twitter talking about the importance and the need for this pipeline, which, you know, I, it's fine and dandy, except that, you know, again, not respecting Indigenous people, not respecting our rights. So it was a real shame this had to happen during Pride. Um, but it just shows that bigger picture of not really understanding Indigenous rights, Indigenous sovereignty, um, and claiming to care about reconciliation, but, you know, not understanding land acknowledgements and such as well. You know, there's so much conversation that still needs to happen. And by people who don't know anything about Indigenous issues, they need to just start doing that work. So again, when I talk about earlier what it, that looks like and emphasizing that pe people have to be doing their own research and it has to be ongoing, I'm not even seeing initiatives for our public servants to really be doing this work. I know that there was um, a blanket exercise that was happening, but they canceled it 
because uh, they realized there was an association with the same organization and some of the anti-pipeline uh, work that's being done. And that's the problem. It's not really anti-pipeline work as much as it is respecting indigenous sovereignty. And because it's so polarized, like there needs to be that understanding. We can have pipelines if we do it right. Um, a lot of indigenous people will never want pipelines and that's okay. So we need to just respect those nations and work around that. And I say that because I, you know, I have always been in the energy, energy industry um the small business that we had was completely dependent on um supplies for that you know i used to draft pipelines that was my job and for us to just force pipelines i mean this is like the basics of consent so anyway nobody was really uh having those conversations that we need to have about what consultation really is so again just that shout out to Robert Jekyll for trying to start that conversation of what does real reconciliation look like and you know Walking Eagle News and a few other satire sites kind of made some fun with that and been like hey is a text uh, consultation because guess what it's not it's but it's fun to kind of poke fun at it when you're under so much pressure here in Calgary as an indigenous person to um, it's just simply not exist um, so anyway let's move on let's not talk about that anymore I want to talk about rich, crazy Asians because um, it's funny. I'm native. Yes, I'm native. But my stepmom is from Austria. My auntie is from China. But they both came here so young and early that they identify, of course, as um, Canadians and, you know, have their, their status and such. But, you know, it's that bigger picture of cultural acceptance and how you want to fit into Canada but you don't really fit in the old country. And I think this is such a, you know, across Canada issue of what does fitting in even look like? Because as indigenous people off the res, we sometimes don't always fit in because we're not from the res. And, you know, people who do come from the res come into the cities and then they don't feel like they fit in. And, you know, there's so much conversation to have about what cultural inclusion and acceptance even looks like. So, I went and I uh, asked my auntie if she wanted to go see this movie because she's from China and I thought maybe she would appreciate it most. And of course she brought her mom. So, you know, we had a wonderful time. Um, I brought them out to East Calgary here where we have a new facility and they have like reclining leather seats that are fantastic. And they, they said it was worth the drive coming out. So we that alone was good enough, let alone uh, the movie itself. It was a really, really sweet movie. I know they build it as a comedy, but there actually isn't a lot of um, laughing at it. It is uh, like I cried quite a bit here and there because um, it's about acceptance, cultural acceptance and, you know, that bigger acceptance of being uh, accepted into a family. Um, those are tough conversations, especially if you've lived through them. So, yeah, I definitely related to this in so many different ways and I just absolutely loved it. So um, uh, I heard oh, it's not really appropriate for kids. And I think, well, I know that I'm going to be taking a little one here as soon as I can because I know that she'll like it near as, so much. Anyway, uh, we also had our first day of school today. So today's a big day because, you know, it's, it's hard for moms because our babies are getting bigger and they're not babies anymore. And that's hard. <laughs> but I'm really happy for all the kids and I and all the teachers and 
you know, people who are in the schooling system who have to do that work and it's the start of a new year. So, you know, that's where my heart is definitely. I just came across this on uh, Facebook tonight and now it's Isaac Murdoch and Christy Belcourt are going to start Sacred Earth Talk Radio where you call in and their first episode is going to be on spirit sightings and all sorts of weird paranormal occurrences and that's going to start on September 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time so that'll be like 6 p.m. Mountain Time and their call-in number will be 657-383-0048 and I know my family is going to absolutely be following that because I just adore Christy Belcourt and Isaac Murdoch. I think they already do so many amazing teachings on Facebook and been lucky enough to meet Christy Belcourt through walking with our sisters and uh, that I think has brought many indigenous people all across Turtle Island to meet the um, there's a, a whole group of committee members at the national level and just a great opportunity to talk about that collective issue nationally but in a more indigenous led way and you know Christy she's worked with elders on that project so it's been incredible being a part of that even in just a small way I was um, campaigning when it really got started. So we had a Calgary committee that um, I came in way late on and they did some amazing work of fundraising and that. So big shout out to them for their work that they did. I want to remind everyone that Calling My Spirit Back, Come Walk With Us, starts October 2nd uh, in Bakani and that's for Stephanie English's family. Uh, Stephanie English is the mother of Joey English and uh, She's going to be walking all the way into Calgary and joining up for the Sisters in Spirit Vigil that happens on October 4th in the city. So if you're listening nationally, go to your Sisters in Spirit Vigils that are closest to you. If you don't see one, then please start one. And um, yeah, just if you have any questions, direction, don't hesitate to contact me. If you're out of the country, which I can see a few of my followers are, you know, go to the Canadian Embassy and um, acknowledge October 4th. So with that, I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom, of what spirit, of what real strength looks like through her example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be blunt and strong, my stepmom for showing me what proud culture is through her Austrian family and the roots and stepping up and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It's through you that I'm a second generation Calgarian. Um, proud to be so. And thank my husband Darcy for producing and editing this show on top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child, and support down my journey on the red road, just witnessing the decades of racism and sexism I've experienced. It's been really great when I gaslight myself. Um, and then to our child who are blessed to learn from daily and honored that she chose us. Um, you give me daily accountability to be a better, stronger person, and I'm grateful. Uh, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Again, to my previous donors, thank you for showing your support. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I just would love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com to send in your comments or questions. I want to say we're now on iTunes, Google Plays, and Stitcher. And also, Native Calgarian is up and at them. So... This is all for one day, and I just want to say thank you for listening to Native Calgarian.